Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, this is John Serma. I'm a workplace health and safety lawyer with Ogletree Deacons. I am located in the Houston, Texas office. With me today is my co-host, the ever effervescent chair of the West Coast Workplace Safety Practice and recently elected president of the California Board of Pilot Commissioners for the Bays of San Francisco, San Pablo. And Karen, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation of that last one. Sassoon Bay. Well, there you go. Thanks, John. That was a great, warm introduction. I appreciate that. Saying hello from Sacramento, California. And with us today, we've got our our fellow workplace health and safety lawyer, Kathy Fletcher. Um, Kathy is resident in our Seattle, Washington office. And Kathy, if you would, would you introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Thanks, John and Karen. I'm so excited to be here. It's my first um, foray into the world of podcasting. As you mentioned, I work in our Seattle office. I have practiced law for longer than I care to say and um, have a background in both land-based and at-sea maritime work, as well as regular old employment law. And that's kind of the workplace health and safety background I bring to Ogletree, and I'm super excited to be working in this dynamic workplace safety group and um, to be part of the the West Coast, I'll call it the West Coast OSHA group or health and safety group. Um, it's, it's been a great experience so far. So fun working with Karen and everyone else. As part of what Karen and I refer to as the Sunshine State Alliance, who's not on the West Coast, we appreciate having you there because certainly our work takes our clients there and, and, and takes work there. I'd like to kind of get this podcast rolling by, by talking about a blog post you and I recently wrote about uh, Oregon Senate Bill 592. Could you share kind of at a high level a little bit of background about SB 592? Sure, John. Thanks. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, you and I put out a blog post about this Senate bill that's been introduced in the Oregon legislature. And from a high level, what it proposes are pretty exponential increases in civil penalties that can be assessed by Oregon OSHA for certain types of workplace violations, and also some changes to inspections that may follow certain Uh, violations, and a a few other things I think we'll get into. But um, it's really just kind of proposing some fairly sweeping changes that can come to Oregon employers in the workplace safety arena. Kathy, do you have any insight as to what prompted the Oregon Senate to propose dramatic increases in penalties for OSHA violations? Well, I think there are probably a few things at play, but one was certainly a concern Um, on Oregon OSHA's behalf, that its penalties were perhaps not sufficient, not high enough. I think that's a great point, Kathy. And I I think if if our listeners, you know, could have kind of a, a perspective from the last three years with COVID, it's that legislatures, governing bodies really took a very active approach 
to workplace health and safety. If you look at Washington, Oregon, California, and other states, there were, were quite a bevy of legislative activities around workplace safety. And I think now that legislatures have a taste of workplace safety laws, regulations, and making some enforcement mechanisms against employers, I think they like it. I expect to see more of this. And and so, you know, for the listeners, I think that's an important perspective because it also helps us understand how this may impact moving forward. So I, I think those two factors are important, Kathy. Let me ask you this. Can you tell us how, as we drill down a little bit, how are these penalties going to increase? Uh, what are maybe some of the dollar amounts or percentages or some ways that these penalties will be going up for Oregon employers? Sure. I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. So there are a few kind of areas and levels that the legislature is proposing increases around. We have proposed increases for violations that are willful or repeat violations. Now, if a death is involved, those penalties are to be between 50000 and 250000 And a reminder that we are talking about per violation here. And otherwise, if it's a willful or repeat that is other than serious and a death is not involved, then the penalty for the violation should be between $9,753 up to $136,532. And those are respective increases of the current law, which follows Fed OSHA at $100 daily minimum and a $50 daily minimum for those willful repeat with a death, death or willful repeat without a death. If I understood correctly, those penalties will be indexed to inflation. So like federal OSHA, every year those numbers will go up. Is, is that your understanding as well? Yes, that's right. John, um, they are tied to the CPI for the West region, so they they will be increasing every year annually. Let me ask you this question. Are you aware of any other OSHA plan that has minimum penalty levels anywhere else in the country? Yes, minimums do exist in other states, at least here in Washington. Um, Karen, how about California? Yes, absolutely. And of course, in California, what we see are typical serious citations, depending on abatement and some other factors, uh, usually run between nine and $18,000 each. And I like how Kathy focused in on it's each citation. It's not, this is a maximum per accident, per incident, or anything like that. This is per citation. And I think that both John and I, as well as Kathy, uh, we handle cases where the citation package can be four, five, ten citations. So when you start doing a little math on the numbers that Kathy has quoted and the numbers that we can have in California, and maybe even the numbers that John sees in Texas and across that big footprint, the, these can become six-figure citation packages pretty easily. So does this legislation include anything other than just these rather significant penalty increases from, in the one case you mentioned, $50 currently to $20,000 as a minimum, Kathy? 
Yeah, John, it does. Um, it has a few other significant components. Just before we move on from the penalty aspect, one thing that this legislation would do away with is the employer size penalty adjustment that is currently in place in the law. So this could certainly have an effect on small businesses who won't get that penalty adjustment for employer size, which you know is looking to be obviously considerably more significant given the um, size of these proposed potential penalties. Another thing this legislation proposes is what they're calling comprehensive inspections in certain situations. So if there's a violation that results in a death, or if an employer has three or more willful or repeat citations in one year, then they are subject to what Oregon OSHA is calling a comprehensive inspection of the workplace. And we can talk about that a little bit, John, and what that looks like or what we think it might look like. But one thing I also wanted to hit on that would be a change in this bill is that the definition of a repeat violation may also change. Under current law, Oregon OSHA can look back historically for a three-year period to determine if a violation is a repeat, if it's happened before. And under the new proposal, there's no limit on how far they can look back. So conceivably, they could be looking back at an employer's entire history of, of violations and citations to determine whether something might be a repeat. You're telling our audience that something happened 25 years ago that resulted in the issuance of a citation. And something happens today that's perhaps similar. So say as a, for instance, 20 years ago, there was some sort of machine guarding issue and a similar machine guarding is, issue crops up today, that employer could be cited for a repeat violation, even though the original machine, even though all that equipment is gone, but because you're citing for the same standard, that could still be a repeat. That is what it looks like. John, the new language just references that the director shall consider the employer's history of violating the requirements of a state occupational safety or health statute. There isn't that three-year limitation that, that we currently see in the statute. And, and John, I see this as Oregon kind of out california California. <laughs> this is an even more rigorous repeat definition than we have in California. So it's almost on a supercharger, uh, this new repeat definition that is on the table for Oregon employers. And so I, I like that we're drilling down into this so that employers do have an awareness of what can be around the corner for them. Well, and, and, you know, not to kind of steal the conversation here, but, you know, we wrote about the instance by instance citation policy and some of the factors that can go into that. And people reacted pretty strong to, you know, the, the proposition of the instance by instance citation policy based on things that happened several years ago. I, I can't imagine how employers are ultimately going to react if you're talking about something that could have happened decades ago being the basis for a repeat citation. Absolutely. And and I think it'll create a problem for employers because who has the records from a violation 10 years ago? A machine guarding, is it the same machine? Is it the model XP 10,000 or is it model XP 10,002, right? 
So with the repeat definition here, I really see that employers could face a lot of difficulties in defeating, appealing, dealing with repeat violations. I I like that we're calling this out. There's a program called SVEP, or the Severe Violator Emphasis Program, that federal OSHA has in place and, and relative to this mandatory comprehensive inspection process, this legislation sounds like it kind of has a program like the Severe Violator Emphasis Program cooked into it without calling it the Severe Violator Emphasis Program. Is that your sense of the situation, Kathy? Yeah, that's a good insight, John. It certainly seems like that might be the case. The comprehensive inspection language in this legislation basically defines that inspection as a, quote, substantially complete and thorough inspection of all potentially hazardous areas. And I'll just close the quote there, but of a place of employment that the inspector deems in their professional judgment um, to be a complete inspection. So it's, it's really unlimited. Of course, we are talking here with comprehensive inspection only about cases involving death or three or more willful or repeats. And, and that's really where it seems to flow from what you're talking about with the SVEP program. Kathy, recently Arizona kind of came under the gun with the potential revocation of approval for its state plan. And we've seen various states over the years kind of run the risk of, of losing their certification by federal OSHA for their state plan. Do you think this is something that's being done by the Oregon Senate in response to some of those federal OSHA concerns? I think it certainly could be, you know, for, in order for these state plans to remain in existence, that there may be some pressure to keep up citations and or penalty amounts. And you and I spoke about this, and for our audience members who haven't taken a look at this, you know, Ogletree Deacons has this OSHA tracker, and we're going to be adding a new feature that will allow some public visibility on this. But one of the things we're able to look at is citations by cities. Kathy, you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago about the fact that, um, amazingly enough, you know, the, the, the largest cities in the country, so New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Houston, aren't the cities that have the most employers cited, but somehow or another, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington have the highest number of penalties per uh, city over the last, I think it's like eight years. And so it wouldn't seem as though they're really that concerned about you know losing their certification, but I, I suppose that doesn't account for you know, the hinterlands. I mean, it certainly seems to me, and, and, and you know, I'd, I'd be interested in your opinion and Karen's opinion as to kind of the, the activity levels of the state programs in Oregon and Washington. Is this Senate bill just kind of an extension of that nature of those state programs? Yeah, it was fascinating. And just to use our Ogletree Deacons OSHA tracker tool, and you can hone in on any city, any state. And I think it was pretty surprising, even to those of us who practice out here on the West Coast, to see how high, relatively speaking, Washington and Oregon are in terms of the volume of citations. I think that's a great point, Kathy. And I could envision these remedies, penalties, the comprehensive inspection being used after a heat illness fatality, that, that's going to be a real focus in Oregon 
and all over the West Coast, right? There's a big focus on heat illness. And I could see for those employers in timber, in construction outside, anything where you're exposing a large number of employees to heat, if you did have a fatality or you had a a large number of workers who suffered heat illness on a particular day or even over time, this Senate Bill 592 really just expands all the remedies and the citations the employer could be facing with Oregon OSHA as aggressive as they are now. I understand kind of, you know, like with the instance by instance citation policy, you know, the goal is to basically encourage, shall we say, recalcitrant employers to, you know, get their programs in shape and and to comply with health and safety regulations. And, And, you know, we're hearing about employers kind of really looking hard at their potential exposures relative to, you know, citations on an instance by instance basis. In terms of Oregon employers, and quite frankly, employers in any state plan state, any sense that either the two of you have as to how this proposal in Oregon may impact things both in Oregon and, and you know, because you've kind of mentioned it before, you know, in Washington and California as well. I can jump in here on that one, John. When I saw this bill pop up and I I have alerts set right on on my computer for any type of safety legislation. When I saw Senate Bill 592 pop up, my first thought was, you know, good grief. um, I better contact our guy at the Cal Chamber and make sure this isn't in the mix for California. My greatest concern is that other states will see this type of legislation and think it's a great a great idea and think that there needs to be a bigger stick versus bigger carrot, right? Because um, this bill is all stick and no carrot. And so with that, I, I do think that, that we need to carefully monitor the other state programs, California, Washington, and the other state programs across the United States, because we do know that other either, you know, their OSHA, Cal OSHA or Washington L&I, they'll take a look and and see, hey, is this a good idea? Is this successful? Is this a tool we need? Do we need to talk to our legislature about passing this kind of bill? So I'm trying to stay vigilant in seeing similar language or similar ideas pop up. It, It is a big concern for me in 2023, John. That's good insight. Kathy, you got any additional insights you'd like to add? Those are great points, Karen. And I really like what you said about the carrot and the stick. Um, John, you and I were talking a few weeks ago about some penalty levels in Oregon and, and maybe some other places. Do you have some thoughts on this? A couple of the media articles that I read, you know, kind of hit on a point that I've seen in several Oregon OSHA inspections over the last few years, which is compared to most of the state plans and certainly the federal plans, the Oregon OSHA penalties are, are really, really low. We had a, a fingertip amputation where the penalty was a grand total of $180. You know, the, the analog in, in most federal OSHA area offices is probably going to be a minimum of $10,000. So I, I hate to suggest or imply that the change was probably due and, and that, you know, it, it, is reasonable or 
anything along those lines. But, you know, if we do a side-by-side comparison, the OSHA penalties in Oregon were pretty incredibly low, at least as compared to what federal OSHA does and what most of the other state plans do, California being a, a bright and shining example of penalties that are significantly higher. Hate hate to impugn your state, Karen, but I, I had to throw <laughs> that one in there. That's fair. That's okay. Do either of you have any sense as to whether this legislation passes or not? I'll chime in there, John. I, I think we need to monitor this legislation. I, I don't think we can say right now whether it will pass as written, as introduced by, by Senator Taylor. I do think that there could be some, maybe there's negotiations around it, a few terms are changed. But the, the important part for employers to recognize is that this is probably a trend. It's probably an activity to monitor to see, hey, what is this bill going to end up saying and, and what, how will it impact us? Will we need to be more strategic in how we handle uh, violations and the citations and appealing of the citations? Uh, I think it's going to cause employers to reflect a little bit on their policies their overall safety program, their training, aspects of uh, workplace safety that they manage. I couldn't agree more, Karen. And um, it is, I agree, it's hard to say right now whether it'll pass as written. I do, you know, certainly there have been hearings so far. Industry groups, certain industry groups have offered comments and have come out um, with statements that they are not in support of the changes. There may be a, a modified version that ultimately goes through, but as Karen said, I think this is a trend, um, certainly one to watch for and um, something that we'll be staying on top of. Understanding what I think is the, the clear message that both of you have offered, which is more or less not that this bill as drafted is necessarily going to pass, but that it's at least reasonably likely that something similar to this bill might pass. Do either of you have any suggestions for what Oregon employers might consider doing kind of to get themselves prepared in case this bill or something similar to it does pass? I think that the lesson from Senate Bill 592 is just a reminder to keep or if they're not there, get your operations and facilities into shipshape condition, um, not only to avoid these monetary penalties, you know, certainly nobody wants those, but also we have the specter of this broad but loosely defined comprehensive inspection that might follow some of the citations we've discussed today. So it, it really is a time to kind of look at your operations, look at your policies and programs, your training, revisit how you communicate those to your workforce, efforts to monitor and discover violations or issues that you might have and, and how you enforce those efforts so that you can, you know, avoid issues before they come up, ideally. I think that's a, a great point, Kathy. And for me, I like to remind employers to stay ever vigilant and monitor legislation your trade groups are a great great way to do this, whether you're a framer, you're in the timber business, um, you're in the staffing business. Uh, your trade groups uh, help uh, give you a voice and can also help provide analysis 
And, and so I like seeing clients who are involved in their trade groups uh, in order to deal with bills like this. I have Google alerts set. I guess that's kind of a little secret that, that I like to share that, that I set Google alerts. So if I was an Oregon employer, I'd set a Google alert for Senate Bill 592. And it's going to pop up whenever there's news about it or a a published change on the internet about it. And that's a great way to monitor bills that you're interested in. To my double K friends on the West Coast, (laughs) Kathy and Karen, uh, I, I think that's great information. I would throw one more little piece out there, which is, you know, we put out an enormous amount of content and I think it's worth folks signing up and subscribing for our content, whether it's on Ogletree.com or following us on LinkedIn. We need to kind of wrap this up and, and let folks go with their day. In, in closing, do either of you have any further closing remarks you'd like to make? I think we can wrap it up with a reminder of the hashtag OD Workplace Safety for LinkedIn that you mentioned, John. That's a great place that curates a lot of our workplace safety content. So just remember, hashtag OD Workplace Safety. That's a great reminder. Thanks, Karen and John. Thank you both. And to our audience, we thank you. And we look forward to having you back for our next episode. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.